Welcome to the Homeschool Together podcast. Where one working mom and a stay-at-home dad help you navigate the nuts and bolts of the growing and dynamic world of homeschooling. With a focus on early learners. Like me! All the ins and outs of building and maintaining your homeschool life. Homeschool! Find out tips and tricks to make things like this easier. I'm reading! And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing? Have fun together! Did I do good, Daddy? (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Hello and welcome to Homeschool Together. Thanks so much for joining us. Today we have a really cool interview with an ADHD expert, Caitlin Mabry. Yeah, I really appreciated her insight. She just had just such a wonderful perspective and we've had a lot of listeners who have children that either have ADHD or they suspect might have ADHD. So I we really appreciated her time. Yeah, and she walked you through the process. She's an expert. She also runs a podcast. Um, that talks all about ADHD from a, ch- a child's perspective. Yeah, it's really interesting because it's not just, you know, teaching parents about ADHD, but something for ADHD kids to listen to and to to enjoy. So I think that was really awesome. Yeah, she covers like a lot of tips and tricks and a lot of the the, the typical issues that ADHD kid will r- run into in their day-to-day lives and how to kind of overcome those and and, and, and excel during that. So this was a great um, introduction to this. And I think, um, you know, I think it has a lot of great information for all of our families that are listening right now. What I really love too about her podcast and, and just her whole message is how positive, you know, she is about this as it isn't uh, something that would hold a child back or, you know, cause just challenges, but something that could also be celebrated that, that kids who, uh, people who have ADHD have this ability to hyper-focus and that the way that they think differently is a gift in many ways. I loved that positive approach when this is so often viewed as like a negative So we won't take up any more of your time here. We want to get right to the interview because Caitlin was terrific. So please enjoy our interview with Caitlin Mabry. Hi, Caitlin. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, We're so excited to have you on the show because this is a topic that uh, so many families have been interested in. So can you give us some background about you and your work to support um, families that have children with ADHD? Yes, I would love to. So, um, a little bit about me. I am from, or I live in Wisconsin with my husband and my four children. Um, my oldest is nine. And then I have a almost seven-year-old, a five-year-old and a four-year-old. So we have a beautiful chaos going on in our home. Um, but backtrack a little more when I was 10 years old, I was diagnosed with ADHD myself and that kind of set me on my own journey, but a journey that what involved not really knowing how my brain was working differently. I knew I had it. I knew I was diagnosed with it, but I didn't really know what it meant. And so, um, when I went into college, I decided to go into special education and I was, I started to learn a little bit more about ADHD and what all that all entailed. And that's actually when I wrote the book that I'll share more about later. Um, but then that dove me into my profession where I worked with kids with, um, with a variety of special needs, but of course I had a heart for these kiddos who struggled with ADHD because I, I saw myself in them. It almost like my inner child came out. (laughs) Yes, I, I get it. I understand the struggle. And so, um, that 
set me on my journey towards really diving in and researching what it means to have ADHD, all the layers of ADHD, all the different elements that we'll talk about during this interview. And now I just have this super strong passion for helping both kids and families um, that live with, with this diagnosis, understand what it means, identify it, and really tackle the challenges and celebrate the strengths. So can you describe for us, um, in your words, what ADHD is and what some common challenges are that for children that do have this diagnosis? Yep, absolutely. So ADHD, the technical term, the actual definition is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Now deficit and disorder give me, just make me cringe because <laughs> they're, they, they don't really define what is going on, right? Like the attention deficit, there's actually not a deficit in attention. It's actually that kids are paying attention to too many things around them. Their attention is being drawn in many different directions. And you hear this from type top psychologists who are trying to get this stuff in this actually acronym change, because it doesn't really shed light on what ADHD truly is. Um, and so there's three different types of ADHD. There's attention or inattentive primarily, then there's primarily hyperactive, and then there's a combination of both. I'm personally ADHD combined type. And so are my, two of my daughters. And so I'm very familiar with the combination of both. And the more you research it, there's other psychologists. I mean, this is just a continuously evolving diagnosis that people are trying to wrap their head around and trying to learn more about. And so some psychologists even say there's five types, some say there's seven types. So it's something that you kind of have to dive into and really figure out what resonates with you. Um, and it depends on which doctor diagnoses you, mm -hmm. but for the most part, the psychologists that I just worked with recently with my daughter said, there's these three types. And, um, within those types though, there's layers. Okay. It's, I always say ADHD is like an onion. There's all these different layers going on. And, and oftentimes it's also, I love visuals. It's like a, it's like an iceberg, right? Mm. You see all this stuff going on on top. You see maybe a child appears to be lazy. It maybe a child appears to be um, distracted and hyper, right? Those base words that you see a lot with ADHD, but here's the thing is there's so much going on under the surface, right? There's so many different executive function function challenges that are inhibiting the child from carrying out daily tasks, finding success in school, finding success with their peers. There's a relationship slash friendship piece that can be a real big struggle. There's this whole emotional piece that is not talked about enough. And they're trying to really tie it into the new diagnosis is that emotional dysregulation piece that so many times parents see, and they wonder, is this part of ADHD? Yes, it is. <laughs> it absolutely is. It's one of the number one things that is you know a, a huge struggle with both children and adults with ADHD. So are you thinking that they are focusing too much on like the academic impacts of ADHD and not enough on the social emotional components. Sometimes I think that school systems or, you know, different or even families in general, just look at both the academic and they just look at the behavior as the behavior. And they're not looking underneath the surface of the behavior and what's triggering the behavior. 
And so it's the actual struggle isn't being dealt with. And so that's why we're seeing the cycle continue and the stigma continue. Is some of the, you know, with, with psychologists and they have like the big five personality traits, there's different types of people. They have different levels of like conscientiousness or neuroticism and not in a negative way is ADHD in in some respects is it diagnosed because there's social norms that are expectations and maybe it's not necessarily like you like to say, it's more of a positive trait than a negative trait. Is this just a different type of, you know, person and that we maybe doesn't fit into the, you know, the expectations of like sitting in a classroom or, you know, how, how we, you know, expect people to focus on certain things. Is there some like kind of realization around that or is that how they're trending and, you know, their diagnosis changes? Absolutely. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Ned Howell. Okay. He wrote ADHD 2.0 and he's, I mean, he kind of was like the groundbreaking psychiatrist that really focused on the strength-based approach with ADHD. And -hmm. with that, he talks about how we really just have these traits and tendencies that don't align with the norm right? It doesn't align with what the world is telling us and what our systems are telling us are normal or okay. And mm-hmm. so, um, so that's where the battle is, right? It's, it's a battle of the mind. It's a battle of the emotion. And so you hit the nail on the head. I think a lot of it, it's definitely neurological. I mean, there's, there's a neurological difference, but I really feel like it's more of a difference than a deficit. It's a difference in terms of the way that we learn is different. The way that we process information is different. We are out of the box thinkers. We are interest-driven learners. And so because of all these things, that doesn't always fit the, the mold of what's being asked of us. And so that's where all of a sudden self-esteem drops, confidence drops, because we're not being, we're not being taught to the way that our brain works best. That's, that's understandable. And especially do you, is, is the ADHD brain trying to use the correct term? Um, mm-hmm. Is that maybe a potential minority of, of, of brains out there? And that's where the impact or the, the tension comes from society's expectations with education. You know, we, we focus mainly on education. Is that where a lot of the challenges, because it tends to be, you know, there's always a one size fits all solution for most things. And you guys are caught up on, on the edge and the margin of that. Is that, kind of where that tension comes from? I think sort of, but also I think that I'm hearing so many more adults that are getting diagnosed with ADHD. So I think what's happening is there's a lot of, I think it's actually more normal to live with an ADHD brain than it's ever been before. But what's happening is those that masked their ADHD, masking is a big thing with ADHD and a lot of neurodivergent individuals do this. They try to fit in with the norm. They're trying to, I, and I did it too. Like they're trying to fit the mold. They're trying to fit in with what the society says is normal. And so they're masking and coping in different ways. Mm -hmm. And so they're living out their life. Then all of a sudden as an adult, they're realizing, oh my gosh, I've been masking this my whole life. And it's so freeing to realize I don't have to live like this. I can't, it's okay that I think this way. It's okay Mm -hmm. that I respond to things this way. You know, it's okay that I learn differently. 
So you talked a bit about the the positives, right? Everyone's viewing this very negatively. And, you know, it's like, oh, my child has ADHD. Like this is like a, this is a a negative for the family. But I know on your podcast, you talk a lot about uh, keeping the language really positive around this diagnosis. Can you talk with us, expand a little bit on the, the positives? You know, what can ADHD brains do that maybe others couldn't, or what, you know, what are they or in what ways can they excel? Yeah. Yeah. How, how can you like position yourself to, to excel? Yeah, that's a great question. And you're right. I do. I try to, I try to stick with the strength based and stick with the growth mindset, foundational base. And with that, I think it's so important to know that kids have an excess amount of imagination. They have an excess amount of energy. They have an excess amount of creativity. So with that diagnosis comes an excess amount of these things that we can really channel to do great things. I mean, some of the greatest entrepreneurs out there have ADHD. And so I think it's just really important to note that with an ADHD brain comes a lot of really cool traits that might be challenging as you know kids are younger mm-hmm. but there it if we can channel it in the right way and we can help them understand the way their brain works best like i said we're out of the box thinkers mm-hmm. and so instead of forcing your child to be in the box thinker you you celebrate the fact that they're an out of the box thinker and then help them find tools and strategies that work when they do need to do things that are in the box right so mm-hmm. it's in helping them, I think just that self becoming self-aware that their brain does work, work differently, but that that's not a bad thing. That's, it's just, it's something that needs to be celebrated, but also needs might need, I talk about in my podcast, how we're ADHD warriors. And yeah. so ADHD is such an internal battle. It's a battle in your mind. And so if kids can feel empowered like, okay, I'm an, I'm an ADHD warrior and I totally can put on armor to make sure that the struggles that I'm facing, I can persevere through them, you know? And so I think it's super important that we continue to empower kids through the challenges because so often all you hear about is the challenges. My child can't remember to do anything. My child can't organize anything. My child can't, 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 can't. And guess what? The kids are hearing this too. Yeah. Why can't you do your homework? Why aren't you, you never remembered to clean your room. And so all these negatives, they research shows that children with ADHD, and I apologize if I get the statistic wrong, I'm just going to say have an insane amount more <laughs> negative comments thrown at them than a neurotypical child based on research. I'm interested, you know, you're, you're talking about like this out of the box thinkers. I'm really interested how many great scientists and inventors throughout history had ADHD. And, Mm -hmm. you know, of course it wasn't diagnosed at that time. We didn't know about it, but those are the type of people that can change the world. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Hyper-focus. Yeah. Um, We, we, we spend a lot of time with talking about families who are, you know, very close to, you know, because we're doing homeschool here Mm -hmm. and the parents are, you know, not on top of, but they're right next to their child. And, we always get these questions about, you know, ADHD, you know, maybe my child has ADHD because education starts somewhere around the, you know, six, seven year old range for kindergartners, 
you know, what are some of these like cues that people can look at to see if maybe they have ADHD, maybe they need to go see um, somebody about it and maybe need to educate themselves on, on what type of tactics they have to take to do their homeschooling in an effective manner to make sure that it's as fulfilling for the child as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and we've kind of touched on some of the areas with just looking at those, becoming more aware of the executive function skills that go on inside of our brain, whether it be working memory, initiating tasks, staying organized, staying on task, finishing a task, um, prioritizing, right? These are all executive function skills. And so I always encourage parents to look at, I mean, you could really look up executive function just in general, and you can find tons of graphics. And if you look at those executive function skills, you can kind of say, okay, my child has struggles with that. My child struggles with that. That's a challenge. And here's this crazy tip that a lot of parents don't realize is kids with ADHD are on average three years delayed in multiple executive function skills. So when you shed light on the executive function (laughs) skills that are being required of a child during any task given, then all of a sudden it just gives you a whole new perspective on the struggle you're seeing, you know, whether it be getting started, you say, okay, why do homeschool parents, my sister homeschools her four boys. So I'm very familiar and I know it can be a challenge, right? It's so hard, yeah. especially if you have multiple children, it can be really <laughs> hard. And mm-hmm. so, but say you're, you're, you're next to your kiddo and you point to his, his paper and okay, you need to get this paper. You need to get the sheet done before lunch, right? Well, what happens in the ADHD brain is they look at the sheet and they get a sense of overwhelm, especially if it's multiple problems with multiple steps even. Right. And so they're looking at the sheet and they're like, Oh, so then they experience something called ADHD paralysis, which is when they freeze (laughs) and do nothing. (laughs) So then the parent gets frustrated because they're like, why aren't you doing it? You just, I just asked you to do it. You need to do it because I asked you to do it. And so it's this, then that's when you find, then that's when you see the behavior come out because Mm -hmm. they don't know how to express that their brain is having a hard time organizing and prioritizing and starting this task. And so that's where as parents, and it's such a cool opportunity as homeschool parents, you can come alongside them and be like, that's a lot of problems, isn't it? Why don't we cover up the paper and just do problem number one? And why don't I help you get started on problem number one? You know, and giving them that jump start into the tasks that they're being asked to do, breaking it up into manageable bite-sized pieces is one of the greatest gifts we can give our kids kids with ADHD thrive on urgency. So setting timers, um, setting alarms, like any of that stuff can really help motivate and help, you know, the child get going on whatever they're being asked to do. So, yeah, I think just looking at those executive function challenges, identifying if maybe your child does have outbursts emotionally, if you're feeling like they're delayed emotionally, that's, that's a cue that it could be. ADHD. Um, if they have a t- hard time relationally making and maintaining friendship, that's something that's not talked about a lot. Um, are they sensitive to re- rejection? There's something called rejection sensitivity dysphoria that 80% of people with ADHD experience. So mm-hmm. there's so many different layers to kind of look at and see if, so the more you research ADHD, the more it's like, you know, 
red flag, red flag, red flag. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I need to get my child evaluated because I think this is what it is. So where should parents go? Do they, if they suspect that their child is displaying one of these cues, um, do they go to their general practitioner? Do they seek out help from a psychologist? What, what do you recommend as a first step? Should parents just do some research on their own to try to, you know, hone in a little bit more on whether they think it's likely and then see a professional? What, what would you recommend? So as parents, we're our child's greatest advocate, right? And Mm -hmm. the more we know and we can bring our pediatrician, the first step would be pediatrician and just say, I really am thinking, this is what I did with my two girls diagnosed. I went to my pediatrician and I said, you know, I'm seeing this sign, this sign, this sign that's leading me to believe that she potentially could have a twin brain as as (laughs) she could have an ADHD brain. Um, And you know, then they'll, what they'll do is they'll give you a assessment where you'll fill it out. The teacher fills it out. Well, I guess they're, they are the teacher. So like the parents would both fill it out. And then what the pediatrician will do is then either depending on what the results read, either they'll give a clinical, a diagnosis in the office, just an office diagnosis of, okay. Like my one daughter was sent to a psychiatrist to do further evaluation because the, it was a little uneven with my evaluation form versus the teacher's evaluation form. Um, and so hers, we took to the next level, but then my, my five-year-old, he said, well, that was a slam dunk. She definitely has ADHD combined type. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm not surprised. I could have told you that. Um, but so I would say, yes. So go to your pediatrician just very boldly. Cause sometimes if we ask, then they'll be like, Oh, I think they're fine. I think you should, you know, but I think there's something about the boldness that's important. Like this is, I want to, I want to really navigate this possibility because I know that learning more about his or her brain, knowing that she or he has ADHD could be super valuable for his or her education, you know? So, um, I think just boldly going to the pediatrician, asking for the assessment to be done. And then, um, next step could potentially be a psychiatrist. So, so the family's gone, they've done this. Um, they get the diagnosis. Um, they, they come home. How, how do they set up the environment? Are there is there a process of decluttering? Is it reorganizing? I mean, what is there something that they have to do in the home to get themselves ready to you know change their mindset on how to you know build a, a fruitful environment for their kid? Are there is there like a protocol or something like that? Maybe or, or a recommended steps to you know ready the home or or do do whatever it is to prepare themselves. That's a great question. And I mean, it's different for every family, right? Okay. It's different for every child. It's what's hard about ADHD is it it presents differently okay. in different children in different homes, right? So one child might be great at organizing and then this child, that's their biggest struggle, you know? So mm-hmm. it's hard to say an actual protocol, but here's one thing that I think is super important for parents to think about and really kind of dig deeper into is the idea of setting a foundational growth mindset. So often we, those of us with ADHD brains, it's easy for um, us to go into a pattern of fixed thinking and a fixed mindset where things like might be said, like, 
I just can't do it. Or that's too hard. Or I'm not good enough. Or, you know, like those, those thoughts that just kind of get you stuck because what happens is my experience with, I had this epiphany with one of the kiddos I worked with a few years back, I was working with him on reading and he had ADHD and I was trying to give him some executive function tools and strategies to use. And we just kept hitting a wall. And I'm like, man, nothing's, his mom was like, nothing's really sticking. And I was like, "Ah, I don't know. And so then looking, I was listening, I'm in our conversation thinking, wow, he has a lot of fixed thoughts. And so then I kind of put a hold on the tools and strategies we were working on. And I said, you know what, let's lay a ground, a very firm foundation and really work on your mindset, work on identifying the fixed thoughts and shifting them into that growth mindset category where there's a continuation at the end of it. Like this is hard, but if I keep, if I try it a new way, I can blah, 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 you know, so changing it to from a period to a comma. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it's acknowledging it, right. Acknowledging the challenge, but what can I do about that? And how can I grow in that? So you talked about, you know, working with parents to help, uh, kids get strategies and tools to work through this. Is that something that you recommend to families who have received this diagnosis for their children? I mean, because it presents in so many different ways, I, I'm, I'm agreeing with Matt. Like I, I would think, gosh, I'm going to go home after getting this diagnosis and go, yeah. okay, what now do you recommend finding somebody that you can work with regularly to, you know, find what works best for your child? Is that, is that the, the, something that parents should seek out that kind of help? I personally think so. And more doctors are starting to recommend coaching or therapy to their clients because exactly what happens is, well, 30 some years ago when I was diagnosed, my parents came home with nothing. And so what happened was, is we had, we knew I had it, but we didn't know what it meant. We didn't know how to help me, you know, like there was, it was kind of like you're thrown to the wolves. And so, and I think even now that's how parents feel. They're like, okay, we have this diagnosis. Now what do we do with it? Right. I feel like that's that moment you come home from the hospital with your newborn baby. They're (laughs) just going to let me come home with this, you know, (laughs) what do I do now? Right. Well, and there's lots of feelings around it, right? Like some kids are totally cool with it. Oh, that's what I have. Okay. And then there's other kids that are in denial. It's almost like a little bit of a grieving process of processing through, like, what does this mean? There's some kids get angry about it. Some kids don't want to talk about it for a little bit. And so that's where it's super important to have, once they are diagnosed, to have that continual conversation, just gently have little conversations with them, which is why I actually started my podcast Mm -hmm. because as a conversation starter, because it's so hard sometimes to know what to say or how to say it. And so I think, but it's so important that we talk about it. Cause I think what happens is, is when it's not talked about, then it becomes a shame piece right? They're like, Oh, we're not talking about it. So I must be, I, I'm going to be, I'm ashamed that I have it because there must be something wrong with me because mom doesn't want to talk to me about this, you know? So we need to strip away that shame and just Mm -hmm. totally alleviate or, you know, eliminate it so that we can build our kids up and empower them. Like, yeah, you do have ADHD, but you know what that means? That means that, yeah, you have challenges just like everyone has challenges of some kind. Well, these are the challenges you have, but the really cool part is you have a supercharged brain that does amazing things like no, nobody else does, you know? And so it's, it's not about 
totally ignoring the struggles because obviously you want to address them and you want to work, you know, through them and work around them and figure out how to tackle them in different ways. But there's also just that sense of continually building our kids up so that they're not ashamed, that they have more confidence, that they feel empowered, that they can be transparent about it with having no shame attached to it. I'm sure it's really difficult for parents because their kids will look to them and go, okay, mom, dad, what, what now? And parents are probably left going, well, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I don't know. It reminds me of the de-schooling element of when you leave the public school and you start doing homeschool, there's this idea of de-schooling and kind of in a relaxing period, it almost seems like, you know, taking away either the shame or the, you know, educating yourself. There needs to be this kind of bridging period. Do you recommend that parents take a, take a break, um, you know, from, and just try to suss out what this diagnosis means rather than kind of, you know, plowing forward. Okay. We know you have this, we're going to change everything all at once. And I I could see that too coming in and going, okay, everything we were doing before is out. (laughs) We're doing a whole new thing. And and that sounds (laughs) like, you know, it would be very upsetting. It could breed even more anxiety. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I would really, I think it's, I would really encourage parents to, you know, learn alongside their child and say, you know, let's figure this out together. Let's learn about your brain together. And I mean, the cool thing is, is there's so many creative and, you know, wonderful resources out there that in video form, there's my podcast. No, I'm just kidding. No, your podcast is fabulous. (laughs) And and we'll definitely uh, talk, talk about it before we close. Yeah, no, absolutely. I was just, I was just being silly, but there's so many other, I mean, I could give you, and I can even share with your audience. I mean, there's, if you wanted to look for an ADHD coach, I am an ADHD coach, but I also encourage people to find who fits best for them. And so there's my friend Camden, she has, she started this ADHD directory. So it's a directory where you can find a coach that fits best for you. And so what I love about our community is that we're not in competition. We just are in collaboration and we all want to just help as many people as possible. And so I just love to share as much as I can so that people feel like they're continually learning and growing and understanding how this all works. And it, I mean, it kind of becomes a lifestyle, you know, and we almost want to make it a new normal for those of us with these types of brains so that we don't feel like outcasts. We feel like we can stand out instead of try to fit in. One of the things that I've I've noticed when I was listening to your podcast, there are a couple items that kept coming back up. Um, Organization, uh, sleep, uh, reading was a big one that I think you've touched on a number of times. Mm -hmm. You know, what are some ways that parents can do to, I think maybe the reading one might be the most important um, you know, are there some things that they can do to, to work with their child on that? Is that more just working with the coach? Are there books out there that, that can, you know, help them? I know dyslexia is a big problem in the, in the, in the reading world. And we're realizing more people are dyslexic and they have mm-hmm. to work through that. Um, what type of challenges with reading do you see, uh, for, you know, p- children with ADHD? Well, actually research shows that about 60% of kids with ADHD are also dyslexic. I was just wondering wondering that if there's other couple diagnoses uh, with ADHD that are common. Well, right. So I will get back to your question. I don't want to feel like I'm veering away, but you're absolutely right. There's a lot of comorbidities that go along with ADHD. So a lot of times parents will be like, well, it's more than just these executive function challenges, right? I'm seeing Mm -hmm. more. Well, that's very, very common. A lot of times for instance, I was diagnosed with ADHD uh, combined type with 
mild anxiety and mild depression. Hmm. And so that happens a lot, especially, I mean, a lot of times there's a couple there it's coupled with anxiety. Anxiety is a really popular comorbidity. And then, um, but there's others like there's OCD that can be coupled with it. There's, you know, hypersensitivity to noise, to textures, you know, there's a lot of times it, it, it goes deeper than just that executive function challenge. So, um, and then, yeah, so back to the, the reading as a reading specialist, I'm super passionate about helping kids with ADHD learn reading and a few takeaways. Cause I mean, that could be a whole nother, <laughs> whole nother episode. Hint, hint. Um, hint, hint, few, yes. Yeah. Hint, hint. <laughs> Coming soon. <laughs> um, but a few things to think about for parents, a few takeaways, metacognitive thinking. Okay. So metacognition is one of those things that's kind of dabbled in when they're in school. But the cool thing about being homeschooled is you can really dive into it. And what it is, is it's really teaching your child to think about what they're thinking while they're reading and really become an interactive reader rather than a passive reader. Because a lot of times, and with that, another cool thing about homeschooling is you can tap into their interests because they're interest-driven learners. So as you're planning lessons, maybe put a little twist on it with, I work with a kiddo with ADHD who loves Minecraft. So guess what we read? We read Minecraft (laughs) articles and I work with him on comprehension strategies while I'm, while we're reading this Minecraft episode. And so he gets super hyper fixated on this article because it's stuff that he's interested in. And then in turn, I can also work with him on these strategies for these reading strategies. So that would be the biggest thing is, is those two elements, the meta looking into the metacognitive reading, thinking about your thinking, and then, um, becoming that interactive reader while also tying in their interests and, you know, making help, make help using that strength, right. Using that ADHD strength and that gift that we have that ability to hyper-focus on interest as leverage to help teach reading lessons. Is that helpful? Yeah, that definitely is. I'm, I'm curious about, I'm curious about sleep. That was the other one that Mm. that, uh, you mentioned often, and I could just see that go into, you know, poor sleep causes just so many problems across the board, you know, not just academics, but social emotional issues when our kids aren't getting proper sleep. What do you recommend to deal with uh, sleep problems associated with ADHD? So many problems. I think we underestimate the value of sleep. And the thing is, is kids with ADHD, like, like a lot of other contradictions, we create, we need sleep. We actually need more sleep than the average person because we have such busy brains, but we have a hard time getting enough sleep because it's either it's hard to turn our brains off or it's hard to stay asleep or it's hard to wake up in the morning, you know? So there it's that, it's that contradictive struggle where, you know, we need it, but then we have a hard time getting it. And so I do have a few takeaways. This brilliant dad, who's a musician, have came up with what this music and it's called ADHD lullaby. Um, and I can send you the information to that, to put in your show notes. But what it is, is it's music that he partnered with a psychiatrist, um, 
and scientists to create music that actually research shows calms the ADHD brain down. And so it's, it's like a two part melody, I think like there's two parts to the music. I don't, it's hard to explain it exactly. It's, I have an episode with, um, his name is Brian Wisda. He created this music and I have a podcast episode that talks all about it, but, and what it does is it keeps your brain because our brains are constantly trying to entertain. It's trying to entertain itself. It's trying to find entertainment. Right. And so at night what's happening is it's trying to find entertainment and it has a hard time settling down. So it gets to the restful state. And so what this music does is it entertain, like it keeps your brain busy. It allows your brain to find that restful state. And so you fall asleep faster. That's interesting. It's sort of like, um, like musical noise. I, I know white noise is a, a very popular thing. I, I mm-hmm. use it for when I'm working, um, mm-hmm. just kind of like in the background. And I find that, you know, there is that focusing element there, like visually and physically, I feel like I'm focusing on, on things and, and maybe he's tapping into some of that. Do you feel that, it, that music in the environment or is that helpful for, you know, kids with ADHD or is that just distracting? I'm kind of curious about, you know, in general things that we, ways we should set up our home or things that we can do. It's hard because it's all, everyone's different, but, you know, commonly, what are some of the, the best common strategies? Well, here's one thing that all of us have in common with ADHD. We're, we're all, we all tend to be lower in dopamine. So if you think about a jar, a lot of times our dopamine gets low, right? And so when our dopamine, we lose motivation, we lose joy, we lose um, the ability to focus more, we lose the ability to concentrate more. So what music does is it actually gives you a dopamine hit and so do other things. So um, one thing I encourage parents to do is get your child moving. So let's say you see they're in ADHD paralysis mode and you're like, okay, let's, the beauty of homeschooling is you have flexibility. Let's go outside for a little bit. Let's pause and let's go outside for a little bit, or let's pause and have a dance party or let's pause. <laughs> and, you know, so giving that brain break, cause brain breaks are important mm-hmm. and implementing something. Nature gives you that dopamine hit that you need. Um, just literally being outside is super powerful (laughs) tool in itself. Nature has given us a gift. So what dopamine does is it, it's a joy chemical. And so it gives our brain the boost it needs to be more productive, be more motivated, you know, initiate tasks. Like it gets us out of what I call the funk. (laughs) I feel like it's that ADHD funk that you get in. Um, and so I actually just gave a parent an idea today during my session. I said, do a dopamine, get, make a, a dopamine jar. So make a dopamine jar where you put sticks, you write on sticks, different things that will give you that dopamine hit, whether it's going outside, um, having a dance party, doing jumping jacks, you know, whatever it is kind of brainstorm with the kiddos. Sometimes it even, you can get dopamine through different types of food. So that's something that you can kind of look into different ways to get dopamine and you may create a jar. And so when you need to take a brain break, you could pull a stick from the jar, you know, and the child can do whatever's on the stick, whether it's run around the house two times (laughs) or (laughs) yeah. So it's fun to get, I mean, you can get creative with it, but that's something that I think everybody regardless of how you present your ADHD, 
mm-hmm. brain breaks and dopamine hits are a must throughout your like day. Our, our non-ADHD children could benefit <laughs> yeah, from those exactly. as well. I think that's well, good and, advice all around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then back to the sleep really quick, mm-hmm. a few more ideas that I had, um, is the no technology before bed, at yeah. least an hour because your brains can get even more overstimulated when they it's been in front of technology. Um, maybe doing a gratitude journal. So when we express gratitude, that actually gives you a dopamine hit, believe mm-hmm. it or not. Science research shows that expressing gratitude actually sends signals to your brain to create more dopamine. Mm-hmm. So um, even having your kiddo and doing it alongside them, right? We want to go alongside our child and help collaboratively problem solve these things. And so maybe doing three things you're grateful for a night, you know? Um, and then another thing is routine is huge. So if your nighttime is routine is just all over the board, sometimes it just makes it harder to go to sleep because kids just need, they crave another contradiction with ADHD. We crave routine, but we have a hard time creating it. <laughs> so <laughs> that's where we as parents, I guess, can come in and yeah. step in and help our kids. Yeah. One of the the key takeaways I'm getting from this is that it's kind of a journey that you're going on with your child and that there's a lot of communication back and forth. Some of the best ways we communicate with our children is reading and listening to things. Could you tell us a little bit about your book and the podcast? Absolutely. Thanks for asking. So I wrote the book in college and the intruder inside my head said, no, don't publish it. It's not worth it. But my professor who was an adult with ADHD, she was like, you need to publish this book. And I was like, no. (laughs) So I sat on it for 10 years actually. And my husband said, Caitlin, if this book helps one child who needs to know they're not alone, it's going to be worth this whole process. And I was like, Yes, you are absolutely right. And so I went on the journey, like you said, it's a total journey of writing and public or finishing up and publishing this book. And I did it with the mindset of, I just want kids to know they're not alone, to feel understood, to be able to identify some of what's going on inside their head, right. And some inside and what's going on with their emotions and to be a conversation starter for them and their parents, you know, cause sometimes it is hard to talk about it and you don't really know what to say, but if there's a connection made, it's easier to start a conversation. So that's where the book comes in. So it's called hi, it's me. I have ADHD. And on my website, I actually have currently have a link that you can order one and I'll sign it and send, send it out personally, or if it's easier, you can get it on Amazon. So the podcast was kind of a vision and a, and a desire because I was a teacher for so long. I taught for seven years as an early childhood teacher, and I just love to talk to kids. I love to talk to kids. And I was finding myself talking to parents about ADHD and trying to talk to them, talk to their children through them. You know, I was trying to, and I was thinking, man, I just wish I could talk to kids. I wish I could get in front of kids and just let look into their sweet little faces and you are not alone and you are loved just as you are. And this is what's going on inside your mind, inside your body, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's where journey with me through ADHD came is I was like, you know what, again, as long, even if it touches one 
little heart and, and one mind feels more understood it's worth it. And so I launched that a little over a year ago and it's been amazing that the results of, or the, the feedback's been amazing and worth every episode. <laughs> so well, and I love how it is. It is short. It is to the, you have like every episode is really focused on like a key point. Um, you can listen to it with your kids. It has a lot of children in it. So there's that connection there. I think, I think it's such a wonderful thing. I think it comes out every week or every other week. I, I tried it every week. I'm in yes. episode 75 this week. Oh, so Hey there. Well nice. Done. Well done. <laughs> no, it, and, and, and I did. I, and I just realized that when I was listening to him, I was just doing research and I came across your podcast and, you know, I, I listened to, I think I binge listened to like 40 or 50 episodes and I was like, yeah, this is really good. I, I, I like the way she, I love the way you put it together. I love how the children are kind of in the forefront, which is I think part of your mission, which is the children you know, it just comes across as like something that you can just sit down with your kid. And as part of that journey, you know, if there's a young family that is, you know, just recently diagnosed, it's a great thing for you to, you to do with your learner um, mm-hmm. to, to just kind of learn together in essence and, and to see other kids as well. I think that's a big thing that we've, we've seen with our daughters and kids in general with homeschoolers that when you see other kids that are like you, or you hear about mm-hmm. other kids that are like you, it takes away a lot of those social issues or the the anxiety or the or the the fear of like that i'm a, I'm, I'm alone on an island and i'm weird yeah, those, you know it strips negative a lot of feelings yeah, it strips a lot of that away since your since your podcast is so positive i think it's just yeah. such a great resource for parents well I, I feel like we have just barely scratched the surface <laughs> on this and i'm sure i'm gonna have lots more questions later that i'll think of it's been fabulous to have you here. And before you leave, could you just leave us with a, a parting thought for those families? Um, what would you want us to take away? One big takeaway about ADHD that we should remember? Well, I think it's just super important to remember that it is a lifelong learning experience. It's not a one size fits all. Um, and as parents, I think when we lead with empathy, connection, and collaborative problem solving, then it becomes a journey with your child and alongside your child. And it builds them up and empowers them and it helps them gain confidence in who they are and not feel ashamed of who they are. And so I think that I could say a million things about (laughs) what I'd like you to take away, but I think just really focusing on leading with empathy, connection, and collabor- and collaboration with your child, I think is, is really important as you start your journey with them and learning about how their brain works best. You're here. That's wonderful. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey. Please engage with us on social media. Join our Homeschool Together podcast group on Facebook and find us at Homeschool Together podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time. Happy homeschooling!